It's a great honor to be here in the Haveli. It's a beautiful room. And I offer my obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to all the previous Acharyas, and to all the devotees present here today. Vantrakalpatrubhashtra, Kripasindavyevacha, Patitanam Bhavanibhyo, Vaishnavyevyo Namonamaha. In the Sri Shapanishad, I'm always struck by the verse in which we hear that uh, Krishna is the closest one to us. He's in our hearts and has always been there in the Bhagavad Gita also. It's mentioned by Krishna himself, Ishvara Sarva Bhutanam In several places he talks about how he's there within the heart. And Prabhupada mentions that he's our companion within the heart. Does anybody know Latin and where the word companion comes from? Latin speakers? It's uh, pani, which is bread, pane, companion, means that it's somebody that you break bread with. That's where the word comes from, a companion. It's somebody that is so close to you that you get together to have paratha or chapatis or bread, sourdough, preferably. So it means a real person. Also, in the Bhagavatam, the second canto, one of the most charming pastimes of all, when Brahma is praying to Krishna for the empowerment to create the universe, he uh, gets the blessings of Krishna. And do you remember what Krishna says to Brahma and what he does? Tapa is kind of at the beginning. Yeah, you would remember that because you're such a personable devotee, a companion. He shook his hand and he said, Badramte, good luck, Brahma. Isn't that nice? Krishna's a person. He's a companion. Uh, in the story of Krishna killing Agasura, and just afterwards there's a picnic, right? Say yes. 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 There's a picnic. And during the picnic, the calves wander off into the vastness of Goloka. Gokula, and the boys get an anxiety because they're responsible for the calves. Come on up, we planned this so you can come. And do you remember what, what Krishna said when he was wandering around like that? <laughs> do you remember what Krishna said uh, when the boys wanted to go find their calves? It's kind of a Secret thing. He's yes. Go ahead. Exactly, Prabhu. Very good. It's nice that you know that. He said, "You stay here. I'll go get him." Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, but he loves his friends. He actually loves all living entities, where his parts and parcels. He's very friendly. Prabhupada says, "He's called Suhrit. He's the most friendly, and you can see it when he's with his friends in." Gokula, and the cows wander off, and then they want to go find them, and Krishna says, you stay and take your lunch, I'll go find them for you. So he, go, he goes off to find the cows. So he doesn't want his friends to be inconvenienced. And so Krishna is, he's funny, he's also very kind, and we're intimately connected with him, the most intimately of anybody, because although everyone in our lives may come and go at some time, whether we have a good relationship with them or not, with others in our lives, they'll be there for some time and then not, but Krishna's always with us, constantly within our hearts. And he's always our well-wisher. And uh, I was listening to Prabhupada this morning, and he was talking about how Krishna always res respects our free will. 
He doesn't interfere. He says it in the Bhagavad Gita, Samoham Sarvabhuteshu, Nami Dvesho Stina Priya, that I, I remain neutral towards the, uh, those in the material world because they have their free will and I don't want to interfere with it. And he, he maintains all living entities also. For instance, uh, everyone gets their quota. An ant gets a little sugar and it's happy. One grain would be fine for a few days. And an elephant has to have a lot more than that. But Krishna's supplying to all living entities. The, the Upanishads say, Nityo Nityanam, Chaitanas Chaitananam, Eko Bahunam, Yovedadhati Kaman. Which basically is that um, Krishna's maintaining all living entities at the same time. And uh, he, uh, he doesn't interfere, but it's his uh, wish. Prabhupada writes in the first canto, second chapter, 17th verse. Anybody know what it is for 10 points? Without looking. 1, 2, 17. Trinvatam svakata krishna punyashravana kirtana rednam takstohi bhadrani vitunoti suritsatam. Another one, suhrit. Krishna's the, the friend within the heart. Suhrit means best friend in the heart. So he's there, and he's also, the other name is uh, vidunoti, everyone say. Vidunoti is the one who helps us sort out all the important things from the non-important things. If we want him to, he'll help us do that, to that process. In the purport to that verse, Prabhupada writes that Krishna wants us to come back to Godhead more than we can desire. Isn't that nice? So there's a way that he's always there for us. He's always close to us. And he's also our best friend. And there's a lot of ands. And he's, he's known as the Bhuktadam Jagatapasam the one that we can give everything to. And, you know, you may have something really nice, but not everybody can receive it. And by Krishna, he's so... He's so accommodating that he'll take anything from us and accept it if we give it to him with love. For instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, he says that... Uh, Anything you do, anything you give away, anything you eat, he starts on that level. Yet if you do it as an offering to me, whatever you're doing now, whatever you're eating, giving away, then I'll accept it, um, and you'll get the benefit. And also, for those who are more tuned in to the fact that Krishna is a person, he says, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam, Yomi Bhaktiya Pariyachati, Taraham Bhakti Paritam, Ashnami Paritatmanaha. That if you give me with love and devotion a leaf of flower, fruit, or water, which really means, you know, you cook something nice if you can, and offer it to Krishna with love, then I'll accept it. So this is important because not everyone can take what we give. There have been religious movements around the world where people went around to give some um, process through which people could be purified, but most people don't want it. And it's hard to give it to anybody. But Krishna, he's always there uh, ready to uh, take what we offer and he can digest it and then uh, make it um, beneficial for us. And Sarvaloka Maheshram is another uh, way that Krishna uh, relieves our anxiety. Have you ever thought about this? This verse? Sarva Luka Maheshwaram. So he says that I'm the controller of all the three worlds. So what does that mean? It means you don't have to worry so much. <laughs> Once when I was in business and I had a setback, I was deeply lamenting and, and one of my mentors said, hey, you're not the supreme controller. I immediately felt better. Isn't that a nice philosophical point? Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're not the supreme controller. 
If it's your spouse, you know, you probably heard it before. <laughs> your spouse ever tell you that? Um, yeah, you're not the supreme controller. And Krishna says, I am. You know, what's better to be the king or the servant of the king? I always feel it's the servant's better because king's a big headache. Even temple president or the temple commander, whatever you're in charge of, becomes difficult. But Krishna can handle it. It's nice to have a, a best friend, and that's the next thing he says. I'm your, Hare Krishna. He's, uh, I'm, I'm your best friend. I'm there within the heart. Those are three real anxiety-relieving um, um, tenets, aren't they? Say yes. Yeah, because then the last thing he says, Gyatva Mam Shantim Richiti. If you get this, if you know this, Gyatva, if you know these three things, then you'll always be peaceful. Because if you're not the supreme controller, then hey, you do the best you can, right? <laughs> do the best you can with, with what you've got right now and depend on Krishna. And do what Krishna wants you to do also. That's really important. Last night we read this verse that never gets old. In fact, Jiva Goswami says in one of his commentaries that you can, the devotees um, are, are unlimitedly grateful to Krishna for uttering these words. Can you think what they are, what I'm thinking? The verse we read last night that the devotees are unlimitedly grateful for. Sarva dharman parityaja, mame kam sharanam raja, ahantam sarva pape bhyo mokshai shami chaha. And that is, just surrender to me, I'll deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not worry, do not fear, do not hesitate. And this is also uh, Krishna offers to us as a friend, that I'll take care of you. And Prabhupada, commenting on this, says that, let's just say we're sitting here and a person, anybody here have any affairs they have to deal with, like business affairs or taxes or student loans? Anything you're worried about at all, one person only? Only one person is worried about anything in their life? Okay, let me see, ask again. Do you have any problems right now that you could list on a piece of paper? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, seven. <laughs> okay, so a person comes in the room, puts up a little table here, and puts the briefcase on it and says, all right, line up. I'm going to take care of all your affairs. Any problems you have, I'll deal with it. Would you get in the line? Yeah, but then you might start thinking, like, what's the angle here? You know, what does he want in return? Am I going to have to hand over my firstborn? Or, you know, whatever's going to happen, you know, we don't necessarily trust that people can do that, take care of all of our affairs. That's a tall order, because maybe they can't even take care of their own affairs. But what if the Supreme Controller comes in and says, I'll take care of all your affairs? And then what would you think? Good idea, right? So if, if you understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, and you read that verse, you say, wait a minute, let me check it again. I surrender to Krishna. He takes care of all my affairs. And he's my best friend. And he's the Supreme Controller. It sounds pretty good, right? Say yes. yes. Yeah. So this is uh, the, uh, the choices. And Prabhupada also, on a morning walk, he said, there was a, a gentleman who asked him, but isn't there some qualification for surrender? Prabhupada understood where he was going with the question and interrupted him. He said, no, you can, as a living entity, you can surrender at any time. You don't have to have special adhikari. It's, it's our nature. We can at any time say, yeah, I surrender to Krishna. You want to try it? Okay, go ahead. There it is. And all you have to do is keep doing that and just keep surrendering to Krishna. And there's ways to do that, accept things that are favorable for devotional service and get rid of the things that are not favorable. And always consider Krishna as my protector and my maintainer and be meek and humble. Be humble. And also consider that Krishna owns everything, including myself. 
One of the things Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita, in the third chapter, in the 31st verse, ye me matam idam nityam anutishtanti manava. May I have the, that verse, please? Is it, can I demand things and they just happen? Okay. <laughs> we'll look at that. It, it's a, pardon me? I'm not the controller. My wife just told me. <laughs> so uh, I can read it from a book. I can read it out loud to the devotees. If, if anybody has... We don't have Bhagavad Gita's here, right? Yeah. Prabhu, you're so helpful. You're an affable presence. You know that? Uh, thank you. Okay, I just need glasses. And they happen to be in my bag, which is over there. So this... Purport, once you hear it, you're going to feel very um, good about your life and you'll have complete direction about what to do. And you'll always be happy hereafter. You just leave it here. I might need other stuff. And uh, you'll be joyful constantly when you hear this. So if you don't want those things in your life, then you, there's a waiting room out here. You can go out just for a few minutes while I read this. Should I continue? I warned you ahead of time. You'll all be exposed to all these benefits. You're staying? Okay. Those persons who execute their duties according to my injunctions and who follow this teaching faithfully, without envy, become free from the bondage of fruit of actions. Listen to Prabhupada's voice now here. The injunction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, is the essence of all Vedic wisdom and therefore is eternally true without exception. As the Vedas are eternal, so this truth of Krishna consciousness is also eternal. One should have firm faith in this injunction without envying the Lord. There are many philosophers who write comments on the Bhagavad Gita but have no faith in Krishna. They will never be liberated from the bondage of fruit of action. But an ordinary man with firm faith in the eternal injunctions of the Lord, even though unable to execute such orders, becomes liberated from the bondage of the law of karma. In the beginning of Krishna consciousness, one may not fully discharge the injunctions of the Lord, but because one is not resentful of this principle and works sincerely without consideration of defeat and hopelessness, he will surely be promoted to the stage of pure Krishna consciousness. What do you think? Too, too nice, right? T-O-O-N-I-C-E. Too nice. All right, Krishna. You're welcome. There's something for everybody in the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> so this is such a straightforward proposition. Uh, Krishna is God. And whatever he says, I'll just do that. And that makes a, a really uh, uh, simple life. Follow what Krishna has to say. And even if you can't do it perfectly, if your intention grows to do it, you may be encumbered by circumstances, may have some limitations, but if that desire incubates in your heart and grows, then you'll be empowered to do it more and more. But even before you're able to do it, you'll still be liberated because that's your intention to follow Krishna. You know, Prabhupada writes in the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam that the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a manifestation of his internal potency. And it is by that particular potency that one comes to see the Lord face to face. Shall I say it again? Once was enough? You want to hear it again? I'm not convinced, however. Oh, all right. The order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a manifestation of his internal potency. And it is by that particular potency that one comes to see the Lord face to face. In other words, Krishna speaks. It's eternally true. He even gives orders. And if I just pick up one of those orders and I follow it, then I'll come to see the Lord face to face. It's easier as living entities to follow the order of somebody. That's why we all do it, one way or another. We can do it the easy way or the hard way. What do you like, the easy way or do you like the hard way? Easy. Okay, let's vote. Easy way? 
Okay, raise your hand if you want easy way. Okay, the hard way. You want to do it the hard way? No votes? Okay. The easy way is to, to follow the Shastra. There's two words, Shastra and Shastra. Shastra means you hear what Krishna has to say in the Bhagavad Gita, surrender to me, follow my instructions, you go, okay. And the other way is called Shastra. It's just same spelling, only short A. And that means the sword. So who's got that? Well, Durga, for one, she's got three-pronged instrument. She rides on a tiger and she pokes us to remind us that, hey, why don't you go the easy way instead of the hard way? So little reminders we get here in the material world from Durga. And the way to avoid that is just surrender to Krishna and go the easy way. Whatever Krishna says, I'll just follow that. So then we just have to find out what he says. And you can spend your life hearing about it and then adjusting what you do that it aligns so that it aligns with what Krishna's desire is. And so we should listen very carefully. Like, what does Krishna actually want? That's the main thing, because then all we have to do is follow it. And don't be envious of the principle of that, that I can't follow it exactly right now. I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. And if you do that, then you'll surely become successful. Next. Oh, you have the mic. I thought you had a point. Passing it on. Okay, that's a good job if you can get it. What other reflections did you have so far from the, from the purport? Uh, from the purport or from the monologue? What did you hear that you'd like to reflect back? Prabhu, thank you for your phone. Oh, thank you. I may need it again in a minute. Please. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. One of the um, things that stuck in my mind was the companion. When you started saying companion, because in our normal mundane life, we try to seek company, either by our family, close friend and sometimes we forget the very basic principle as you said Sukhut so is mentioned twice in Bhagavad Gita and in Bhagavad Gita. I think that was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, one time when I was in the New York temple we had this really big temple it was on 340 West 55th between 8th and 9th. Anybody here? Remember that place? And uh, it was kind of a skyscraper building and uh, the devotees lived in there. We had 300 devotees living there, all in one building. Everybody came to Mangalartik. 300 devotees at Mangalartik every day. And um, I was on Sankirtan mostly every day, and then Christmas was a good time for that. But then there's a time when it starts... I was going to the airport at that time, LaGuardia Airport. Then the airport, after a certain period, dies down because everyone's gone to where they need to go. And so I, our Sankirtan leader was this only Romapad Swami. And so I said, uh, what should I do now? He said, why don't you go on traveling Sankirtan? I said, great. Who am I going with? He said, nobody. I said, I thought we were always supposed to be with somebody. He goes, well, Prophet said, you're never alone. Krishna's in your heart. So it was a freezing cold winter, and they gave me a van that I realized didn't have any heat. That's the Iskon way back in the old days. Kids. Uh, <laughs> used to walk to school in the snow. So there's a, there's a way in which uh, I got halfway down the turnpike, and I realized... There's no heat coming out. It's only cold hair. And I was alone. And I didn't have any money, of course, because they would expect me to collect some money. And everything turned out great. In fact, it was two of the most exciting weeks I've ever had. Everywhere I went, I met somebody who said, hey, you could stay at our place. And uh, I, I just had uh, an adventure. And... Krishna is always there in our hearts. He's directing the wanderings of all living beings. 
But he's especially attentive to those who are eager to do service for him and to follow his instructions. So it's an exciting life. Without uh, taking a risk for Krishna, life is a little boring, don't you think? Not only is it boring, it's also kind of nerve-wracking because I'm trying to adjust things here in the material world according to my convenience, but it never quite works out. Or is that just me? Is things working out for all of you all the time? No? So they never do work out. So the best thing is to find out what Krishna's plan is and then follow that plan and just go along with it. And whatever happens in life, the Bhagavatam, Lord Brahma gives this instruction that can be really helpful to us, which is that learn to see everything that happens to you in your life as the mercy of Krishna. And so if you can, if you can come to that level of consciousness to, to understand that everything that's happening to me in my life is for my purification so that I can become the best version of myself possible so that I can be in association with Krishna constantly. That, Brahma says, that meaning that level of consciousness is a guarantee that you'll go back to Godhead. What do you think of that? On a scale of one to 10, 10 means it's great and one means you're not interested at all. 10? 15? <laughs> 15 on a scale of 1 to 10. Yep, that's right. So this whole world actually is Krishna. We're always close to Krishna because he's within every atom. What is it? Is it a verse? Tatenu kampam susamikshamana? Okay. So verses are now appearing. I think we have a director of Shastra going on. This verse, Tatenu Kambam, Sadaya Bhak means you inherit the kingdom of God. How? By having this submissive attitude to Krishna, that whatever happens. Uh, you know, once in a management situation, I saw a possible disaster. In fact, I couldn't see any way out of it. Have you ever been in a situation where you saw impending disaster and it was all going to come back on you and you didn't see any way out of it? If not, I'd like to invite you to be a temple president for a little while. <laughs> so you can experience the joy of not sleeping for some times. Well, yes, you've had it many times. So there's, I had such a situation and I went to get a little counsel because I like to do that. I depend on devotees. I have a Rolodex. Do you know what that is? Nobody knows anymore. Yes, this little thing you turn around, it's got cards on it. Keep, keep uh, the numbers of people. So I, I keep a Rolodex of mentors. I collect them. And then when, when I need them, then I go and talk to them and say, what should I do? People I trust, they're Krishna conscious people and they have uh, uh, maturity. So different feet, people for different kinds of situations. So in this situation, I was lucky because I had three senior God brothers that had, uh, we just happened to be visiting uh, the area. So I told them I needed a consult. So I went there and told them my problem. They said, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot. And I wasn't that satisfied. So I drove home thinking, yeah, that, that didn't help. <laughs> but then, but then um, uh, two days later, one of them uh, sent me a verse from the Bhagavatam, fourth canto. It was about Prithu Maharaj. And Prithu Maharaj had, he was really an overachiever in a way. I mean, he did everything in grand style, Prithu Maharaj. He's the, the, the iconic great king. And is there anything on behind me? No. Might as well keep it blank for, for a minute. And so he was going to perform a hundred horse sacrifices, which is a big deal. It's not like the ones we have that cost like, you know, $20 to put together. They cost millions of dollars. It's like building a uh, hundred, you know, Apple headquarters in a row. 
and we got Kumamela going on over here. <laughs> so, so Pritam Maharaj had extended his treasury to uh, do these huge sacrifices where they bring an animal in and kill it, bring it back to life, all the best Brahmins in the world. And he was getting up to 100, which is a benchmark that Indra had already hit. And he has this uh, ego that, you know, I'm the best. And so at 99, and during the, 100, the performance of the 100th sacrifice, then Indra disguised himself as a sannyasi, and he came and stole the horse. And nobody stopped him because it's a sannyasi. What am I going to do? He just took the horse. And so they brought another horse, and Indra stole it again. And then on the third time, uh, Pritumarj became angry. This was going on because it was obviously Indra, and he was uh, masquerading as a sannyasi. In fact, he came as three different kinds of sannyasis. And um, four Kumaras <laughs> wandering the universe. They stick together. Good, front row. That's the way to get ahead in life. So, so Pritamaraj finally became angry because his, his, this was his duty as a king to do what he was doing. And he did everything that he should do. And he extended himself fully for this. Should have lined up, but he didn't. And he was angry, and he thought, I'm going to kill Indra. So he let his priests know, I'm going to kill Indra. And they said, you can't do it. We'll do it. And they had an incantation that they would chant, and it would suck Indra into the sacred fire. And they were about to utter the, the last syllables of the, of the mantra. But then Brahma said, hey, wait a minute. He came and said, you can't do this. Indra's a devotee. And, you know, he's Indra. So don't do it. And then Brahma gave advice to Prithumarash. And he said, when something happens by providential arrangement, don't try to, don't try to adjust it. Tolerate. Because he said, the more you try to adjust it, the more you'll enter into the darkest regions of anxiety in your life, trying to fix the unfixable here in this material world. So that's the verse that my godbrother sent to me and said, hey, he, he wrote, I remember the email came in and he said, hey, I, I think I've, I've got something for you here. And then he said, here, here's the verse. And I read it in the purport and I felt about 92% better immediately, just by hearing the Bhagavatam, and say, yeah, I'll follow that. I'll follow that direction. I won't, I won't try to push it. I'll just leave it up to Krishna. Whatever happens, that's his mercy. And I'll do the best I can, but that, that I'm not going to uh, wrangle with it in my mind anymore and try to reverse what is going in a particular direction. So this is uh, the prerogative of everybody who wants to follow Krishna is to do one's best, do, do your duty, but leave the results up to Krishna and don't, don't try to rearrange everything. I forget if I was answering a question with that, how the thread got going. In, in any case, what was it? Was it somebody's point? Yours. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you said about Krishna in the heart. And I forgot how I got to where I was. So let's see if there's any more reflections or a question. I can ask a question and really blow things up here. Okay, yes. Prabhu? Just that your presentation is reminding us of the simplicity of the consciousness. This is what I, I got from your talk so far. Quite often, Christian consciousness is presented in a very philosophical way, in a very almost gany presentation. Um, but actually, Christian consciousness is very simple, and um, you're, you're presenting it in that way, which I found you know, very refreshing and very important. Uh, thank you for 
curious when you said 92% you were like dissolved or erased from the breath. What was, I mean, you, know, you don't have to tell me if it's a private side, but what was holding you back? What was that 10% that was holding you back and you still felt like doubtful? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think that, um, first of all, if I had said 100%, it would have sounded a little bit over the top. <laughs> you know, I mean, who's ever 100% free, free from anxiety? I still had my duty to do. I still had, um, you know, legal teams to talk to, and I didn't know the outcome yet. And a lot of it was just for the reputation of the temple. So anxiety isn't necessarily bad. I guess I could say that also. You know, Prabhupada never uh, told us, nor does the Shastra say that, um, it's cartels, if you want to get really loud, our goal actually isn't to become anxiety-free. We, it, when we take anxiety for Krishna, it's spiritual anxiety. In fact, uh, Guru Kripa once asked Prabhupada, said, devotees sometimes get an anxiety about uh, this sankirtan you know, going out on the streets and then uh, there's book distribution, which can cause anxiety also. You also have to clean up. Uh, the other, other night, Rindarika Ramayat and, and a few devotees cooked lunch for some of us, and the other day, I should say, and, it, and you know, we had this lunch, and then they were cleaning up for hours afterwards, at least a couple hours, a bunch of them. And uh, so it took a long time to cook, a long time to clean up, and how long did it take us to honor the prasadam? Not that long. <laughs> and uh, then it's not all yogis are like that. They have, you know, the part of putting all the paraphernalia together takes a long time. Winding it back down again takes a long time. The part in the middle is really short. And, but that's the part that counts. I mean, it all counts. But that's the part where you, where you really get it. And so it takes a lot of organization in one's life to get to the point of hitting that sweet spot, the yoga points in your life, so that you really have memorable, meaningful, inspirational sadhana. And that's important to think about that. In fact, Rupa Goswami says, the essence of all advice, here's a book called the Upadeshamrita, it's the nectar of instruction. And then within the book, there's a verse in which he says, here's the essence of all advice. So you definitely want to tune into that, right? Tanama rupa charitari sukirtanam, sridhyo karmina rasanamanasim yoja, tishtan raje tananuragi tananagami, kalam nayat akilu itu pedesha saram. The saram, the cream of all advices, he said, get, get organized. Get yourself organized around the principle of hearing and chanting. Now, to, to my next point, which is related, and that is that you'll find throughout the Shastras that the, the great teachers of bhakti are always truncating things for our convenience. And yes, there are 64 items of devotional service, but when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching uh, Srila Sanatana Goswami, he brings it down to five. And he says amazing things about these five. He says, these five are so potent that even if you don't have faith in them, but, and you're only a little bit connected with them, you'll attain success in devotional service because they're so amazing. Hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, the association of like-minded devotees, living in a holy place, Dham, or a temple like Bhakti Mountain Manor, uh, uh, associating with devotees, chanting Hare Krishna, and worshiping the deities. Do any of these five sound familiar to you? Yes. Please say yes. yes. Okay, then you're okay. So if you if you maintain contact remain in contact with these five somehow or other, you're going to advance in devotional service. If if you're not offensive. So in a community, in a household, wherever you may be, you keep this in mind because it can seem overwhelming. How am I going to get all this done? How am I going to become a pure devotee? How am I actually going to do a yajna? when I got so many other things going on. How can I live up to this standard? Well, keep in mind that if you keep some kind of connection with these five, 
in any combination or any of them at all, you're going to advance in devotional service. So when you're planning a community or a family or your own life, think about it. How can I stay at least a little bit in contact with all of these five or at least one of them? And if you do that, you're always going to be on track. Because those are the essential points in devotional service through which we make great advancement. And feel free to escalate it. I mean, all the Shastra says, if you really want to go for it, nobody's going to stop you. Nobody can stop you. Because Krishna will give you all help from every direction if you get it in your mind that, look, it, I'm just going to really surrender to Krishna and I'm going to put more into my devotional service. Who can stop you? They can put you in jail and we'll stop. I have a, we have a devotee who's in jail for life. No possibility of parole. I went to visit him and in Arizona prison, which was an exciting, with special ops. He dropped me in the desert and I drove across the desert and rent a car. I couldn't see anything. I kept calling Nirkula at home for coordinates and I said, where am I? And in the middle of the desert, where's the prison? To just keep driving and even the GPS just said nothing. Just a straight line through the desert. So I was panicked because I'd come all that way. We're supposed to meet with the, what was his name? The chaplain? The chaplain from the prison. And then it was my only chance to get in and see him at a particular time. You have to make, a, you have to make special arrangements to go to prison. <laughs> and, and so finally I saw some barbed wire fence and I thought, yeah, this is probably it. And I got there just in time. All the guards were on uh, changing shift and they were all going inside. They have to have uh, net bags to keep all their stuff so you can see it. You can see everything. I was thinking about the material world in context of the prison too. I was, you know, when I was going in there, I was thinking, I, I hope they remember that I'm not like part of the prison. <laughs> and I must say, I had an eerie sense when the doors closed behind me. It's like, you remember, right? I, <laughs> I came from out there. <laughs> You know, as souls, we want to be free. We don't want to be confined. We don't want to be confined in the material world. So I went to meet to our devotee in there. Actually, he took initiation in the jail. And only uh, myself and the chaplain were in the room. We had to have we had to have a chaplain and a chaplain. He kind of stayed in the corner. He was a nice Indian man, by the way. He was a Christian from from uh, Kerala. And uh, so anyway, I, I met with him. And uh, he wears uh, orange, he has shaved head, gets up at the same time every day, goes to bed at the same time every day. And uh, he looked happy. I said, you know, you look kind of happy. In jail, no possibility of parole. And happy? And he said, yeah, I really am happy. I'm in here chanting Hare Krishna, and I get regulated time to read every day. And he said, I smile a lot, and it's good because people ask me all the time in here, he said, you're not getting out of here, how come you're so happy? He said, I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> and when I was leaving that prison, the chaplain was telling me, you know that guy, he's getting a lot of people into reading Bhagavad Gita. We need some more Gitas in here. I said, how many do you need? He said, at least a couple hundred. Because he, he tells everybody, they say, why are you smiling? It's like, well, let me tell you about it. <laughs> so, you do okay in prison. So, you could do okay in an apartment or in a house if you're overburdened by having too much money, which is a, a real problem for many people. You, you have that oppressive feeling, I got too many things, I got too much money in the bank. Just take time to read the Bhagavatam with like-minded devotees. Chant Hare Krishna better than you're doing it now. You know, like in an instrument, you don't have to learn a lot of embellishments. You just have to, you have to learn to do the things you're doing now right. Like, I had this uh, Madanga, uh, there was a devotee who played the Madanga very nicely, it was in Japan. And I said, uh, he was from South America, he was just visiting there. I said, you know, tell me more about the Madanga and how to play it. And he said, well, <clears throat> You just have to play it right. You have to hit it nicely. And even if you play simple beats, but you hit it really nicely, then it'll sound nice. 
And so it's, it's, it's the simple processes in devotional service. For instance, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, follow this simple path strictly. Follow the simple path strictly. You don't have to get really fancy. Like once Prophet noticed the devotees, he said, our process is all you have to do is chant Hare Krishna and you'll be successful. And he said, I noticed that my disciples are collecting many austere books. <laughs> you know, big piles of books, like maybe I'll get an edge on everybody. I'll find out something that nobody else knows. Like a special mantra. It's like, we already have a special mantra. There was a letter I read Prabhupada wrote to Jayananda Prabhu, who was, you know, he was an amazing devotee. He was so surrendered to Prabhupada. I knew him because he was my bhakti leader in San Francisco in 1973. And there was a letter I, I read later that Prabhupada had written to him, and I didn't see the letter that Chayanda Prabhu wrote to Prabhupada, but Prabhupada said, he said, it's the same old answer, chant Hare Krishna, <laughs> the same old answer, chant Hare Krishna. So, hey, that's a, not a bad idea. Maybe I'll, try, maybe I'll try listening more carefully to my rounds or, you know, just, uh, being more attentive to, to the simple things that I'm doing. Kind of a long answer to your question, but I'm really passionate about it. You do have to, uh, we do have to adjust to the various eras in our lives. It's not always going to be the same thing. And we're always going to have uh, uh, changing circumstances in our life. So if we stick to the basics of Krishna consciousness and take shelter of them really, really deeply, then we'll be really successful. In fact, and the last thing I'm going to say about this, because I'm, I know I'm going on, but in the Sri Shapanishad it says, Vidyam cha vidyam cha yas, tadveyo vayam saha, avidyaya ratum tirdva, vidyaya ratum Only one who can learn the process of nations and that of transcendental knowledge, you guys know the Sri Shapanishad, side by side, can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality. What this verse is actually saying is, our being mixed up in the material world is not a detriment. While we're, while we're cultivating Krishna consciousness, uh, the juxtaposition of our material life and the spiritual life together actually gives us more impetus for spiritual life and more realization. Not that we have to, to bring in more material circumstances. We already have them. All we have to do is add Krishna consciousness and we'll be okay. What do you think? Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, we have just 14 more minutes, if I'm not incorrect. Is that right? Anyone? Anyone? Is that correct, Prabhu? What time are we ending? 821. 8.21? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Prabhu. Thank you so much for showing uh, uh, so much knowledge this evening. Uh, I think we're quite honoured because it seems like we've had a, a drought for some time. We had a lot of, and uh, it's a great privilege that you come all the way to London to, uh, to, to, uh, to speak to us. Uh, something that you were talking about when you're in this situation and you are trying to find a solution to it. And the solution was to leave Christmas hands. And I was just thinking that how do we discriminate when we should endeavour versus what could seem like the easy option where we just say, I'll just leave Christmas hands and you know, sleep or, or do something else. How, how do we discriminate when we should do something versus leaving? Right, because the, the verse says, when something's providential, then don't monkey around with it. And there's, there's an old saying about, you know, I'll know it when I see it. So when you feel that it's become intractable, then there's no harm in handing it over to Krishna. If more information comes in that um, prompts you to take more action, fine. But when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Because there's... Uh, there's a way in which, you know, I think that I'm the controller and therefore I can solve it with my intelligence. 
and I, and I keep going in that way. So even if we are smart and even if we have the duty to, to solve things with our intelligence, we always have to be humble about it. And, you know, look at the Bhagavatam. Brahma, he's the smartest person in the universe. His SATs were like, uh, but you don't have that here. That's in America. Do you have it? Okay. So, Brahma, one uh, scenario that I always appreciate, because he's a, a manager, leader, creator, and he got really frustrated because the earth got knocked off its axis, apparently, and fell into the Garbhanak Ocean. And he wasn't sure about how to get a crew out there to pull it back up. That's a kind of a conundrum on Brahma's level. And he was sitting there thinking, what should I do? Uh, and praying to Krishna. And a boar came out of his nose. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> it started flying around. Krishna has a sense of humor, I said that earlier. And uh, oftentimes, when we uh, do the best we can, but we're prayerful about it, and we leave it in Krishna's hands, we're doing our duty, then a boar will come out of our nose. And it's like, how did that happen? It always happens, by Krishna's arrangement, somehow. That's one of the reasons Sankirtan is uh, such a nice program. We've been noticing that, that when we always set a, uh, a fresh goal to reach, it put it's self-imposed anxiety. Because you know, we decide, this is what we're going to do. This is the goal. And we're not going to settle for anything less. And then we start losing sleep over it. And then we uh, have this uh, edict that we have to assume that it can be done. There's no talk like, hey, it can't, it can't happen. That's a, that that can't, uh, it's not allowed in the conversation. So we assume it can be done, and then we start working towards it. And then always some miracle happens. And not always in enough time to save us from being in complete anxiety. And once Radhi Kurman Prabhu, you know the great Radhi Kurman? You know him? He grew up in Christian consciousness. He's an Acharya-like figure in the, in the world and will be uh, throughout, uh, you know, as he goes on. Um, he's, uh, he was talking about how, you know, when Prahlad Maharaj, when they threw him over the cliff, Krishna caught him at the bottom. He said, why does he do that? Why not just at the top? He said, well, it gives the devotee more opportunity to uh, take shelter. And so, you know, when we set goals and then we go for them in Krishna's service, and then we see that somehow or other it happened, we realize and we have more faith that it's Krishna doing it. Lord Chaitanya is making it happen. And if we do that in all the aspects of our life, then it's a very exciting life, actually. In fact, Prabhupada said, it's a replacement for gambling. Anybody have a gambling habit? You don't have to admit it. But 5% of the population are, you know, dormantly uh, addicted to gambling. That's why they walk in a casino and it's like, you, you sold the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> so, um, Prophet said there's a replacement for gambling. You know what it is? Surrender to Krishna. If you just put everything on the line, it's like, oh, you mean you're going to surrender to Krishna? And let him take care of you. It's like who's been taking care of us up till now? It's all Krishna. But if we put ourselves in his hands, then it becomes exciting, an exciting prospect in life. Don't you think? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. A couple more minutes. So we'll take one more question then of Ajahn. Yes, Prabhu. And we'll give you the mic in seven seconds or less for your money back from tonight's program. Thank you very much. I noticed that you're very calm and there's children making noises or it's a disturbance. I've noticed people to get very angry at uh, some disturbances. Could you give some sort of tips for the parents about how to... <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just tell you an observation I've had. I'm the youngest of four. So I didn't have any kids younger than me. I joined the movement when I was 16, so I didn't have a lot of godbrothers that were younger than me, godbrothers or godsisters. And then 
Um, I got in this community, I was brought in charge for 13 years. And then I, um, we didn't have any kids. And then we went to Silicon Valley, ISCON. And tons of kids. And I remember one day I was sitting in class, I was giving a class in our old temple. The light came on this kids. And one of our children, he was probably five at the time, the door swung open. He just walked right across through the glass, tromp, 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 with a gaze in his eye like there's nobody else here. And I was thinking, like, who are these creatures? <laughs> but then I grew up with them. Not just him, all the kids there. Now we have over 300 kids. And I grew up with them. And I started seeing these are, these are amazing souls coming in to serve Lord Chaitanya's movement. Not only that, I took five five-year-olds out on Sankirtan as an experiment. And we went door to door. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. And that started our kids' Sankirtan program that day. It was like, wow, they like this. And it, it's really nice when they're there under uh, protection and guidance. And so, as I got to know the kids and see their potential, and see that they were actually really good association, and that some of the wildest among them became these very um, respectful, very uh, responsible, intelligent um, young people who are now, many of them 20 years old, some of them 17 in PhD programs and things like that. And, and so I changed and I started seeing that uh, kids are really the backbone, the basis of any um, community. And I started putting my um, heart and soul into it, not as a calculation, it was just really spontaneous. Because I like, I like the kids now. Um, it's a, I like being around them and hearing and chanting with them and watching them grow up in Christian consciousness and watching how they encourage one another. So that's my story. I don't have any particular tips except for that kids like to hear and chant. And um, if you organize hearing and chanting sessions, teach them a lot of shlokas. In fact, there's a study called the Sanskrit, Sanskrit Effect that shows that when kids learn a lot of Sanskrit shlokas, their brains grow bigger. You, you read that? That's pretty cool. We got a lot of shlokas you can learn. You can do, they can learn Sri Upanishad in a month just by sitting there and chanting it every day. They can learn the Upadesha Amrita in about three weeks if you just chant it with them on a regular basis. They can learn first canto, second chapter, Bhagavatam, anything. And then you start discussing the philosophy and then add Sankirtan and you know the five processes and it, it's, uh, we could take over the world with the kids because, actually I'll tell you one other thing at the risk of going too long, but uh, I started interviewing, I got really interested in, in you know, how children develop in ISKCON. So I called some of my godbrothers and godsisters and when I found out that some of them were initiated at a younger age than I was, which was some of them 12 and 14 complicated initiation kids. And so I started talking to him on the phone, and I actually got a conference call together with some of them and said, so what was it like being that young? And what was it that inspired you the most? You want me to tell you what they said? Yes. Sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> they said, number one, they said that um, seeing peers doing great, seeing peers doing great, four words, and they all concurred on that, Seeing peers doing great. So if you can you have places where peers can see, they can see their peers doing great in Christian consciousness, that, that's an uh, inspiration to them. And the other thing they said was they, they, they wished for, in that generation, more upward mobility. In other words, at that time, there was no consideration that the kids would be empowered to do uh, more, take more responsibility for the Christian consciousness movement. Uh, however, they said that they would have liked it. And we can see that uh, when we empower kids at younger ages and give them responsibility, they're creative, they're smart, they can do it. And it, ownership turns sand into gold. So those two are tips.
and then that will hold the budget. Do we have a, a harmonious in the house? Oh, probably yes. I have a note. Okay, question from an anonymous person, which is always dangerous. <laughs> so you can say anything you want. I'm an elderly sanctified person, and younger devotees have told me I complain a lot and get off of. And I complain a lot and get in the way, I think, and that I am greedy. How can I continue sanctified in that situation? Well, don't complain. <laughs> don't get in the way. And be greedy for Krishna. It's okay to be greedy for Krishna. It's called Lalyam. Krishna Bhakti Ras Tavikovati Kriyatam Yani Kritopi Lalyam. Tata Lalyam Abhimuya Megdalam Janma Koti Supertir Nalamite. Rupa Goswami's formula for becoming Krishna conscious is to be really greedy for it. And that's called Lalyam. So you can be greedy, but just do it for Krishna and no one will mind. Problem solved.